FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Everybody, welcome to episode 404 of the podcast that snicked, snicked. I'm your host, Jason Venable, and this episode we're going to focus on immortality. Ah, immortal combat. <laughs> I can't even get it out. Can't even get it out. I guess, you know, that guy was right. I am super annoyed. <laughs> so anyway, we just have just a couple of books. Uh, it's kind of a of a bonus accompaniment episode, um, you know, kind of go along with the episode I'm also doing with Escalibur is to talk about Ten of Swords, but I wanted to talk about a couple other Wolverine appearances uh, this week uh, to kind of go along with that. So this is kind of your bonus content. Now, I know I'm a little behind, but that's okay for two reasons. One, I mean, Recording schedule is recording schedule. Two, probably other people have said everything that needs to be said about this a lot better than I can. But I, I do want to just kind of comment on the sadness of, of losing Chadwick Bosman, um, you know, who obviously was Marvel's Black Panther in the MCU. And I was, I was thinking about it again today because um, a lot of the books for this week have a uh, memorial banner across the top for Marvel, so um, it's really cool. So I just say a thin black banner across the top with a very dark gray Black Panther logo. Uh, kind of reminiscent uh, for, for those of us of a certain age of the artwork for the Metallica Black Album, which was a, you know, a black album with really faint barely lighter than black artwork <laughs> you know like the snake and stuff um so it kind of looks like that very very kind of regal looking um and then of course rest in power Chadwick Bosman uh 1976 to 2020 um I don't normally I think I've said this before because it's it's pretty rare that a celebrity death really hits me in the gut it's always sad. I mean, I, I think any time a human life is snuffed out for whatever reason, you know, is is sad. Cause, you know, the dignity of all of us, right? And everyone is missed. But you know, generally speaking, I'm when a celebrity dies, I'm kind of oh, well, that that sucks. But I'm I'm more concerned about like what that impact has on their family. You know, in the same way that when I lose someone close, that's really devastating, right? And and all that goes with that. And the mourning process is just normally a lot different uh, when you lose someone that you know personally versus someone that you just have heard about or or seen in entertainment. Um, You know, Chadwick was a fantastic actor, um, but also really seemed to be a fantastic person. Uh, you know, there's been multiple accounts, you know, since his passing and around his passing of, you know, how he, while he was battling cancer, he was visiting kids in hospitals who had cancer and, and kind of just being a hero and hiding his own sickness or not, not wallowing in his own sickness, but helping those who, 
who he thought he could provide, you know, joy to. And that's just, that personifies heroism. Um, and, and, you know, and on screen, I mean, he was the Black Panther. I mean, in a lot of ways that we talk about often on this podcast, that, that Hugh Jackman just kind of embodies, or embodies, I may have a word there, uh, strategy, uh, that he embodies Wolverine. I think Bosman the same with Black Panther. Just really been into that role and just personified the character in a way that was damn near perfect. And I don't know, man. This one just... It was kind of a sucker punch a little bit to find out about it. Um, he would be missed. You know, I don't really want to get into the speculation on what Disney slash Marvel will do, you know, with future movies. That That's a conversation for for another day. They will have to make, have it. And that's fine. I understand. Um, but for now, you know, like the thing says, just, just rest in power, Chadwick. Um, you made a difference in a lot of people's lives, you know, a much bigger difference in a lot of people's lives than than in mine as just a viewer. I mean, you've touched a lot of people, you know, your family, but also all the all the people you worked with and the people you visited. Um, all their lives were enriched, and, you know, hope you truly are resting in power. Um, and plus just the importance, right, of, of the Black Panther movie um, to the MCU, you know, just, you know, in this day of, of BLM and some of the unfortunate backlash against that, um, you know, and just proved, right, that there is a place for everyone in representation in, in larger cinema. And that movie was so good and so well made and everyone who worked on it, um, you know, all the people of color involved and just as a celebration of equality, right, and diversity and, and all the things that that are important in this life. So yeah, yeah, Chadwick, um very very sad um passing. Um but more than anything, just, you know, positive vibes and energy to his family and, and close friends and, and those that worked with him in the films who were who were close to him. Um as much as I'm like, oh this really bums me out and kind of depresses me. You know, I'm just a person who enjoyed his movies. Um, you know, a lot of other people are dealing with the loss in a much more personal, devastating manner. And, you know, hopefully as they are mourning, they can find some peace and, and a way to, you know, be inspired um, to continue carrying on Chadwick's legacy in their own lives. So... I know that was probably a little bit awkward and definitely a downer way to start the episode, but um, what we're going to talk about, you know, and you know, speaking of immortality, which is kind of the theme of the episode, you know, his legacy, you know, if if we have a way to have immortality in this life, it's what we pass on, the values, um, the inspiration, you know, people remembering us, you know, that's that's our our immortality that we get, and I think he definitely has a great legacy that he passed on. Um, so yeah, so definitely, like I said, rest in power, Chadwick, um, you'll be sorely missed. Um, speaking of immortality, the first comic we're going to talk about is the Immortal She-Hulk, number one, um, which is going to kind of tie her in, you know, even maybe a little more so than she hasn't been 
to what's been going on, kind of the Hulk story at large. Um, so this is written by Al Ewing. Where are the, are the credits at the end? The art's by John Davis Hunt. I believe the third name on the cover is the colors. Where, here we go. Yeah, so the three deaths of Jennifer Walters, written by Al Ewing. Art by John Davis Hunt. Color by Marcio Menez. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo! And the cover is by Joe Bennett, Rui Jose, and Paul Mounts. Um, after Alex Ross, it says. I think that's basically an homage to an old Hulk cover, I believe. But it's basically She Hulk. Looks like she's on the moon. It may just be a desert or something somewhere. But she is mad and big and angry and reaching for the viewer. Um, kind of looks like she's busting out of the ground. At first I thought she was just stopping and stuff was breaking as she like landed. You know, like a power jump, like the big Hulk jump, right? But actually I think she's coming out of a hole in the ground, like busting through the surface of the planet. Um, almost like a raising from the dead kind of thing. And, uh, it's okay. Um... I'm not, I know this is kind of blasphemous right now, because it's a very critically lauded book. I, as much as I love what Al Ewing is doing on Immortal Hulk, I'm not crazy about Joe Bennett's current art style. I know a lot of people really like it, and that's great. It's not, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so the cover, I feel like, is okay. A lot of people probably like it a lot more than me, and that is fantastic. You should like what you like. So, anyway, like I said, this book is going to kind of tie She-Hulk officially into what's going on over in Immortal Hulk, which the writing has been really interesting. Um, I just happen to like the issues where there's different artists better than the main artist. <laughs> this is a personal, personal thing. Um, yeah, so we start off with kind of then, and it's the first death of Jennifer Walters. Um, and that's the origin of She-Hulk, uh, when she actually is shot as a lawyer, uh, shot by some mobsters in broad daylight, and her cousin Bruce gives her a blood transfusion to save her. Um, and we see now, you know, kind of this new concept of when she died, it was in the hospital, or when she was dying in the hospital, and Bruce was giving her his blood that you know, she feels, kind of feels the burning in her arm, right, of the, of the blood coming into her. We also see she has a vision, hallucination, near-death experience, whatever you want to call her, maybe an actual death experience, depending on how you read this issue. Um, but she is kind of falling through this green landscape and what is known as the green door, um, which is kind of this door to the the low place as described in the book that that gamma heroes or people have almost access to that allows them to always come back or so we think up to this point at least right uh the story may challenge that which is interesting that it's happening in this one shot i'm sure it's also you know, I'm a couple issues behind on the moral hope. I'm sure it's also either being explained or will be explained there. Um, but anyway, the the concept is there's this green door, and our gamma characters when they die go to this place. It's kind of like below hell. Uh, you know, even farther down below hell, and um, 
they spend some time there, but eventually the green door, which is visualized as like this big green rectangle that kind of fades to white in the center and has green lightning kind of crackling around it, um, you know, gamma irradiated doorway for their soul, I guess. Um, and they, they can go in and out of it. But there's this creature, um, this hulking creature, who I guess is the origin of like the Hulk persona. And when Jennifer falls through, to this like wasteland, there's this big green face in the sky with green growing eyes, this monstrous face, and it says, you bear my mark. But then she is sent back through the door, she wakes up. Um, I never read the first appearance of She-Hulk. I will get there in my 70s read-through, which by the way, if you're not following me on Twitter, you're, I'm often tweeting about, you know, my, my Marvel read-through. It didn't, didn't it's probably several hundred tweets through the 60s and several hundred more as I'm making my way through the 70s. I tweet lots of covers and art and comments and all that fun stuff. But uh, So I will get to the original She-Hulk appearance, I think, fairly soon. I'm coming up towards the end of, like, 1974. I think I'm not too far away. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a little later in the 70s than that. I don't remember. But um, anyway, I, I'm guessing the idea is that the, the, the mobsters come to the hospital to finish the job, and that's when she first turns into She-Hulk, because we get a scene that looks an awful lot like that's what's going on. And they kind of skim over the details like I'm supposed to know them, which is fine. Um, but yeah, so we see the first time she turns into She-Hulk, and it's in the hospital, and she attacks the doctors, and I'm assuming that's because they're really bad guys. Here we go back to now, and... She-Hulk is fighting this mutant named Tantrum. And Tantrum, I guess, basically can feel and feed off and get power from negative emotions. Um, he mentions anger, but he also mentions that he particularly likes to feed off of fear. Um, and so he's getting stronger. I mean, he takes a full punch from She-Hulk, a couple of them, and gets up with nothing but a bloody, possibly broken nose. But, I mean, any normal person would be probably dead and at least knocked out um but he gets up and he takes another punch a third punch uh right to the nose and then we see a familiar cowed shadow in the background and we get a snicked behind the guy and then he falls over to reveal wolverine who says and that's that and um you know says hope you don't mind the assist and Hulk's like, Hulk, not mine, Wolverine, but you kill Tantrum. And we get a very cool snack that might be snack to the a nominee for snack of the year. Um, when we get a snack and you see like the blood kind of hanging in the air from where the claws retracted, that's kind of a cool effect. And he says, we got, uh, sorry, Wolverine voice. <clears throat> we got healers on Krakoa, special ones. Trust me, he'll live. Bub. <laughs> Even when the writers don't say Bub, I feel compelled to, to throw Bub on when I talk in my Wolverine voice, which, that was not my best one, but whatever. Um, and yeah, so basically Wolverine says, you know, here's this, this mutant. He was uh, doing some bad stuff. I'm going to take him out. I'll take him back to Krakoa. They'll resurrect him. It's fine. <laughs> We're pretty sure he was breaking mutant law. 
And so, you know, he'll he'll serve punishment on Krakoa according to our laws. And there's this weird conversation that kind of happens where Wolverine, I mean, Hulk says, um, or She-Hulk says, uh, nice for some. Because Wolverine says, technically he's got a place on the island like anyone else. And then Wolverine kind of, I don't know about this. Um, so he says, anyone else is mutant anyway. It looks like nice for some. And, and Wolverine kind of goes into a spiel that doesn't sound very Wolverine-ish. Um, that, yep, years of being hated, he- feared, hunted, and killed. We finally got somewhere safe, somewhere that's ours. And after years of being a celebrity Avenger, loved and adored, you got Oh wait, you got what you always had. Krakoa existing doesn't affect you one bit, except it's a thing you can't have. Like, he's just being really... Kind of... Un- not, now, aggression is in Wolverine's personality trait. But he hasn't been, to this point, super aggressive about Krakoa, as far as... Like, I mean, obviously, he's been fighting to defend it. But, I mean, even in a solo book, has expressed kind of his own doubts whether it can really last or whether it really works and here he's just like oh, I got this island and you can't go no 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 it's just like I don't know it, it just seems a little uncalled for uh, wasn't necessarily I mean he kind of started the conversation almost like elitist which I don't I don't mind Wolverine being, maybe that's maybe that's the issue I don't mind Wolverine being aggressive um, don't mind him being tough, don't mind him being short. And I don't just mean short in stature, like, like short in conversation and attitude, like, you know, not giving a lot of details, not, I don't, he doesn't need to be inviting or open, necessarily. I don't like the idea of all the X-Men, there's, there's a few who I just really don't like, kind of this current elitism being applied to, and Wolverine's one of them. I've made the same complaints about Storm, right? She's very much bought into the whole elitism of Krakoa. And, you know, and, you know, I've talked about that with the Excalibur Rose, you know, is that indicative of Xavier, you know, messing with people's minds or, or you know, kind of turning off some of that in inhibition, <laughs> maybe? Um, I don't know. You know, I, there's a lot of different theories floating around about that. Um, you know, but it makes sense for Magneto or Cyclops or, you know, even to some extent Gene. And just, it seems weird that Wolverine not only would have that attitude, but especially that he would go there kind of without being prompted. Because Hulk's just like, or She-Hulk, is just like, um, I'm kind of surprised you killed him. And he just kind of goes into the spiel and then it's like immediately turns to, we'll take care of him. But you can't. You're an Avenger. You've been famous. You got everything you need in this life. Oh, you're so privileged. And but now I got something too. And you can't have it. I, I don't know. I, like I said, maybe if it was Cyclops, you know, talking to Captain America, I feel different about the conversation. Wolverine talking to She-Hulk seems a little forced. Um, anyway... Uh, She-Hulk kind of turns it around, says, I need to talk. She she powers down Jennifer Walters. Um, which I don't realize her suit like changes when she powers up and down. That makes sense. It would expand. 
Anyway, Wolverine takes her to a bar. Here's a, a pretty funny scene because she's like, well, this is someplace quiet, all right. And he talks about the bar um, getting back on its feet. It'll be reopened in a couple of days, but no one's here right now. The owner's a friend who gave me some keys. And she hulks like, you just picked the lock with a claw. And he's like, well, I don't know where the keys are. <laughs> Her <laughs> actually says, I don't have them on me. Um, what do you want to talk about? That's kind of funny. And he uh, uses his claws to bust a couple of bottle caps off a couple of beers. Um, and then again, he's just overly kind of mean. He's like, because if it's about Hulk's got it worse than mutants, I don't want to hear it. Which is, I don't know. It's weird. Um, which he's like, no, no, it's, um, I want to know what it was like you know, coming back from the dead. And Wolverine sits down with his beer and is like, that's a, a big question, Walters. <laughs> um, bigger than you think it is. And I don't really want to talk about it. And she's like, and then she kind of takes a weird turn. She's like, well, I don't want to know the secret, like how you resurrect or whatever. I just want to know what it felt like. And she's like, oh no, you don't. You don't want to know that. There's a really cool scene where a really nice detail of her like kind of fidgeting and peeling the label off the bottle which I identify with because especially you, know, you get a little condensation on your beer you're at a bar you kind of talk in you get a little restless start peeling off that label <laughs> as you're messing with it because you don't have anything to do with your hands and you need something to do with your hands and yeah maybe that's just me maybe it's a side effect of being a, a drummer slash musician and not being able to sit still um but yeah, I, I identified with the scene of her you know, messing with the bottle label. Um, but she talks about how she was killed, you know, a couple of times. Um, and, you know, at least three times. And, and she keeps coming back and she doesn't really understand why. Um, it says, you've been dead, you know, buried in adamantium, blown up by a nuke. And yeah, you got a healing factor. But you've been through this. How do I deal with it? And Wolverine's just kind of like, well, you're still you, right? And she's like, yeah. And like, so don't look a gift horse in the mouth. I mean, you came back. Something should have killed you, or maybe it did kill you. And yeah, you know. And kind of, kind of gets some interesting insight. He says, you know, I won't lie. First time, second time, that'll shake you up. But it's you, your friends. They see you. They know you. It's you. So yeah, healing factor, whatever. Same as your cousin, same as a lot of people these days, which is a nice commentary on how many people have uh, very quick healing. Um, and so, yeah, you heal from worse stuff the most, but it's still healing. It's what it needs to be. Um, don't look for stuff to make it weird, Walters. That's all I'm saying. You open that door, it makes it hard to do the work. And the work always needs doing. So then we go back to um, when uh, she died fighting Thanos um, and we see you know uh, Iron Man and Captain Marvel arguing and she says I think Iron Man's um, stubbornness killed me <laughs> but then we here's when she goes and she meets her uncle Brian and there's still that big green cloudy head floating up above but um, she meets her uncle Brian and she doesn't have good memories of Uncle Brian. You know, she remembers um, her aunt dying and her dad telling her that it was an accident, but not really believing it. 
and so she says, I'm in hell, and that's where he explains that it's not hell, it's the low place, and she talks about that he's not a good person, but, and he's stuck there, but she's not, so she goes back, um, but she doesn't remember everything, and then, you know, she's working out with Thor, um, and then talks about the time that she died, um, which is interesting because Thor talks about how he just killed Galactus, and he's talking about immortality, and, you know, She-Hulk tells him, you know, I'm immortal like you, and he's like, well, none of us are really completely immortal, you know, even the gods can, can be killed, and you can be killed, right, and Galactus thought he was immortal, and I just killed him, which we'll just talk about in, in a minute, by the way, um, we get a cool scene, uh, kind of a replication of, of Thor killing Galactus. And, um, yeah, he was immortal, but now he's dead. And then she talks about her death, uh, that we just had an empire, like, literally, just very, very recently. Um, and how this time, when she went to the place below, she met the leader. And the leader, you know, tells her all the stuff. It says, you'll forget the conversation. It says, he now has the key to the green door and holds it in his is red now, not green. And he tells She-Hulk, whatever you do, don't die again, because this door is now locked. And then, you know, we see the last scene of She-Hulk laying in bed, kind of in the fetal position, saying, don't die again, don't die again, don't die again. Um, so yeah, it's a creepy issue, especially at the end. Uh, and the art is fine. I don't love it. It's kind of it's not really dynamic, except for like a couple of scenes, like the re, re, not reanimation, um, gosh, I can't think of the word, um, anyway, the reinterpretation of Thor killing Galactus looks pretty cool, but the, I don't know, it's just kind of, it's good, it's very solid, it's just kind of flat in some places, um, I don't know. I like the story overall. Didn't love Wolverine in it necessarily. I mean, he had a couple of, of cool things to say, like, you know, kind of just, you know, and this is how it is if you're really immortal or, you know, coming back from the dead. Yeah, it's kind of freaky, but I mean, you just got to deal with it. <laughs> All right. And that's your reality. Then there's, there's no use trying to spend too much time, like, looking for a deeper meaning. You know, you. You, you come back, you do what you do, and you're, you're yourself. That's all that matters. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, and the part with the leader, um, you know, changing the game there at the end, that's the part I was saying, I'm, I'm assuming, is either in the last couple issues that I've missed or in an upcoming issue of Immortal Hulk, that we'll see the same thing with the leader kind of expressing that he has changed the game, uh, you know, has the key to the the green door now um they just changed the lock uh, that part was really cool um but otherwise i mean i don't know i mean i like i like connecting she hulk to the overall kind of immortal hulk story um you know we haven't really seen her a lot in that book it's you know focused more on obviously bruce and uh uh, Betty and uh, Doc Sampson, or sorry, Leonard Sampson, Doc Sampson, something. No, yeah, no, I don't know. Um, 
But anyway, um, so I enjoy seeing She-Hulk kind of connected to that and tied up with that. That's pretty cool. Um, but I don't know. Uh, it was a fine comic. I'm kind of, it's like either a a hard three or a light four out of six for me. Um, I think some of the hell stuff is creepy enough visually. That, that's where the art shines. The real world stuff is not as good <laughs> as the unreal world stuff. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a very solid three out of six claws. And, you know, if I was not here by myself, if someone really liked it, was talking to me, they could probably talk me up to a four. But since I am flying so well today, I'm going to do three out of six claws. So that is the Immortal She-Hulk number one, and I'm curious to see how she continues to either be involved in the Immortal Hulk story or how her story runs parallel to it, however they decide to handle that. I'm definitely interested in, in seeing how it continues to evolve. So, there you go. Alright, so, next up, pretty quickly, um, Thor 6 and 7. Um, written by Donnie Cates, art by Nick Klein, color by Matt Wilson, letters by VCs Joe Savino, um, cover by Oliver Copiel and Laura Martin. Um, I believe everything is the same for Seven. Oh, no. Everything is not the same for Seven. Because Seven is by uh, guest artist Aaron Cooter. But everything else is the same. Um, except for I got the Nick Klein variant cover because it's awesome. Um, so on the cover of Six, we have Thor, like, in bathed in light, um, standing on something. It says, Herald of None. And then on Seven... Uh, I don't remember what the real cover looks like. The variant cover is Thor on his throne with his two crows, and it looks badass. It's really great. So this is kind of wrapping up and moving on from the story of Thor fighting the Black Winter as a herald of Galactus. And and so that's kind of where we pick up. Um, we actually start with uh, a pretty cool opening scene of the Bl Silver Surfer Black Floating into Thor's throne room um, is pretty cool. And of course, uh, I believe Silver Surfer Black is a Donnie Cates. Uh, I think he wrote that. I really, I remember it for the art, the Tradmore art. But I'm pretty sure Cates wrote it as well. So kind of him bringing his little corner of the universe together. I know he also tied the uh, uh, Kroll, Noel. Whoever that guy was that's going to come and kick Venom's butt. He tied that into the Silver Server story. So I think it's all kind of coming together with the books that he's writing. So Silver Surfer comes and kind of asks him about killing Galactus. Um, and Thor kind of talks about Mjolnir is feeling different. Um, and then we get the flashback of he kind of recounts the story just to Norrin Rad about... You know, when he does kill Galactus, you know, Galactus thought that they were going to fight the Black Winter together. And Thor's like, nah, I got this. And he takes them both out. And it's really interesting because when he does kill Galactus, it's a really nice double-page spread. 
But Galactus kind of Mjolnir uh, kind of turns Galactus into like this almost mummified like zombie looking thing. And you know it's funny because I immediately thought of you know I talked about it very briefly on the podcast because it's more of an alternate version of Wolverine. But that uh Marvel Zombies Resurrection one shot or whatever started out with Galactus's body falling from space. And visually, when Galactus dies here, it looks very similar to the corpse of of Galactus's body that falls and, and starts the zombies, uh, Marvel Walking Dead, so to speak. <laughs> so that was like a, a one-shot alternate universe, but I'm wondering, based on what we're about to see, if that's going to tie in as a potential future for this Thor story. But it's kind of cool. The Black Winter basically turns into like one black snowflake and says, you haven't seen the end of me. <laughs> um, and Thor squashes him in his hand when he offers to show Thor his end. Now we know that Jason Aaron has all these future Thors and the um, King Thor and all that at the end of the universe. But the Thor sees something a little different in this vision. And this is kind of cool. He takes Galactus' giant helmet and plants it uh on Bifrost in front of the world tree, so like the rainbow is coming out of his mouth almost. It's this very cool visual, very striking. And then we see what Thor saw at the end, and it's basically um, Thanos with what looks like Null's gauntlet. So he's taken over that from the bad guy from Venom, and then he has Mjolnir adorned with the Infinity Gem. So instead of an Infinity Gauntlet, he has like an, an Infinity God Hammer. It's a pretty striking image, and behind him are all the Marvel zombies, which of course include Wolverine, so that's why we're talking about this just briefly. Um, it's a really nice double-page spread. Thanos' proportions look a little off, but other than that, um, all the Marvel zombies look pretty great. And then we see Thor dejected on the throne, and that's, that's it. And then Seven, we have another flash of that scene, um, I will say, um, so Thor, as a test, throws the hammer to Broxton, Oklahoma, which I remember from several years ago, uh, Broxton and Asgard kind of, that's where Asgard came to Earth, was in Oklahoma. Um, so this old mechanic guy finds it, and there's a message on the hammer to call uh, Tony Stark. And when Tony shows up, he's like, how did you get my number? And he's like, it was on the hammer. Um then Sif and Thor have a conversation through their crows, or through Thor's crows, and Thor offers Vader Ray Bill his kind of second in command. He needs needs his help and also needs him to make sure that, you know, if he steps out of line, that Vader Ray will hold him accountable. And he explains to him um, the future he saw, which of course includes another small shot of zombie Wolverine. Um, and then, basically what happens, um, Thor has, he wants to do an experiment. He feels like the hammer is different, and not only is it harder for him to lift, but he feels like other people can lift it. And sure enough, this old guy picks it up and turns into old guy mechanic tattoo Thor. Um, so that's pretty interesting. I actually really enjoyed this. Both uh, Nick Klein and Aaron Cooner I like as artists, um, so that was really fun. Uh, both of these books look really good. I actually am enjoying Kate's writing on Thor. Um, not quite as 
as exciting or epic or dramatic as maybe Jason Aaron's whole scope of run, but I'm, you know, for seven issues in, I'm having a good time. Um, you know, Georgie, who I love dearly, um, compared uh, this volume of Thor to New Metal, which, um, I don't know. I think now, I will say this. George and I agree on a lot, and I love Georgie to death. So this is nothing <laughs> personal at all. And if he had compared Case's writing on Venom to New Metal, I'd be like, yep, I am there. But this feels a little more, like there's a little more going on to me than that. Um, and and I'm with Georgie. I am not a New Metal fan. I So, sorry, Grant. I think you might be, from what I've listened to you talk about. Um, so, again, nothing personal there. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I can see where he can compare the Venom book to, like, you know, corn or something, but, um, you know, or, or Evanescence, I don't know. But um, to me, the Thor book has a little more going on. There's a little more drama. It's a little more adept. And honestly, I mean, you know, when we talked about uh, the last carnage event, when Ethan came on and talked about it some, and I actually thought the writing between Eddie and Dylan was good, and I think I think there's some of that here, you know, Thor's struggle versus just the action or whatever, and I, I get it, right? Having, I think where Georgia was coming from, the Black Winter was basically just like negative Thor, right? Or like metal Thor. <laughs> Very reminiscent of maybe like DC metal, right? Um... Just kind of ooh, the opposite evil bad guy. Thor is this noble god, and the Black Winter is Thor, but made out of black energy. Yeah, right. Surface level, I, I get the criticism. Um, I, I think it's funny too because that that book, I don't know if it still is, went like hotcakes because oh, it's the first appearance of this new Thorville, and really this, the Black Winter, well, cool was not a huge deal so far. Maybe he'll come back. Maybe there'll be more to him. But, I mean, he kind of only lasted a couple issues. He got turned into a little black snowflake and, <laughs> you know, seems to be kind of a concept more than like a recurring bad guy. Could be wrong. But, anyway, that's really all neither here nor there. Uh, the point is, it seems like maybe that this Death of Galactus could help kick off what was kind of just a fun little alternate story about Marvel zombies and maybe make that a potential threat for Thor, um, you know, in our universe. So that's interesting. I don't know if I'm 100% on board with that or not. I don't know if I really want to see the zombie characters in a real, like, book, but I will see. Anyway, I really enjoyed the art on both of these. I enjoyed the story. I'm going to give them... Five out of six claws. Um, and while I was taking my break and ended up taking a longer break than I thought, which, you know, y'all don't really care about. It was literally like 30 seconds for you guys. Um, but um, I did take it, had to take a little break there in the middle before I, while I was talking about this book. And I was thinking about the She-Hulk book. And I was thinking about how, you know, in addition to what we talked about, 
drawing Wolverine and the mutants into the story was kind of comparing different ideas of immortality and resurrection. You know, the Hulks come back to this green door, the mutants have the resurrection protocols on Krakoa, and kind of talking about philosophically and connecting different things of immortality in the Marvel Universe, you know, also bringing in Thor, which referenced this very issue that we just talked about, um, and the immortality of the gods, and kind of tying those all together, I found that really interesting. Um, so I'm going to retroactively, I, I don't know if I've ever done this, though I have, it's certainly rare, but I'm going to change my grade on the Mortal She-Hulk from 3 out of 6 claws to 4 out of 6 claws. So, a nice little stack of issues that we covered here, um, Hope you enjoyed it. Um, like I said, immediately in the feed with this should be the new episode with the Excaliburs, uh, Georgie and Dan, um, and possibly Ian, though I heard he may may be doing some schooling, uh, which, you know, Godspeed, Ian, if that's what you're doing, go for it. It's definitely more important than talking bullshit about some comics. But, um, yeah, uh, that should be in the feed now, uh, kicking off X, or sorry, 10 of swords um, with those guys should be a lot of fun, I think. I know, I haven't actually had that discussion yet, but I imagine it's going to be great. <laughs> so, anyway, um, hope you enjoyed this little episode. As always, uh, guys, please stay safe out there, stay well. Um, plugs for the podcast that goes snicked. Um, you can like the Facebook page, Twitter is that snickcast. Show notes are at snickcast.podbean.com. And until the very next time, stay safe, stay well. Hugs and snicks. Bye-bye. And snacked.